Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Do you happen to have a question or a comment for me? Or perhaps you feel that you might make an interesting guest here on Hollywood and Beyond. Whatever your reason may be, please feel free to contact me anytime directly at the show's official email address. That would be Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome, friends and listeners, to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast, your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. Thank you for listening. And now, your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Hello, everyone. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Welcome to another episode of Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. My guest today is a cult film star, actress, and producer. She is here visiting Hollywood and Beyond today to talk about her latest role in Blood Tulips. In the movie, Starla, portrayed by my guest, portrays a Los Angeles artist who travels to Amsterdam in search of her sister Tess, who has been kidnapped and sold into the sex trade of the Red Light District. I can't believe you get to go to Holland. Yeah. Just be careful. Why wouldn't I be starving? You know how some people feel about Jews. <gasps> Not bad for a U.S. girl. Is this a whole house? A dungeon? Deep set a section of hell. It's Tess. Something's happened. <laughs> out of here. The young lady is missing. Have a heart, will you? I'm going there. You will do no such thing. I have no choice. I have to find my sister. Just can you hear me? Starlin, Starlin, run. Run. Let me give you some advice. Keep your head down and don't trust anyone. Starla, your sister may be in grave danger and now you tell me you have a possible stalker? You do not want to mess with these people, Oliver. They will kill you, and they will kill her. Trust me on this. Got your medicine right here. Why are you helping me? I've always wanted to play the hero. Oh, kill you! <laughs> this is not a thriller. They're in grave danger. <laughs> My guest also once worked at Sony Studios Lab while studying acting but was dismissed for going on to sets where television and films were being shot. And shortly after being discharged from her position, she was tearfully comforted by Martin Sheen, who found her and provided much-needed comfort. It is a pleasure to welcome her to the show. Bouvier, welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me on your show. Very happy. 
Well, it's my pleasure. It's so nice to have you here. I uh, hope this finds you doing well. I know we're all dealing with such a challenging time right now. Yes, that's true. We uh, we all have to kind of take care of each other. And um, I have some friends that aren't doing too well, so I bring them uh, groceries sometimes and uh, help them out, you know, and just feel sorry for everybody that's kind of shut in or isn't doing well and uh, just going through this. And I hope, like everyone else, will be over real soon. Well, me too. I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, getting past this uh, difficult time and and just to be out there living life again, so to speak. Yeah, me too. And that's so nice of you to be helping folks out. And I've been trying to do the same myself. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, it's so nice to have you here today. You know, like I mentioned in the opening segment, we'll discuss uh, uh, your very interesting background as an actress and your artistic journey. But how about we start off with your latest project, which is called Blood Tulips. I gave a description, but you're the perfect person to ask. How would you describe the film and your character? Well, Blood Tulips is about a priceless painting that was created by a Dutch master. Uh, it was stolen by the Nazis during World War II from a Jewish family. And the painting ends up with a relative who needs money, and he has an offer from a museum in Holland to purchase it. He didn't want to sell it, but he's kind of desperate for money. And they want it hand-delivered, so he sends his niece to deliver it. And uh, she, uh, after a couple of days, they can't reach her, and um, they can't reach her by text or cell phone or email or anything, and they get worried and um, report her as a missing person. And her uncle uh, gets Interpol involved, and her sister Starla thinks it's just taking too long, it's too slow. So she leaves, to, she leaves for Holland against her uncle's wishes to look for her sister. And uh, <clears throat> while she's there, she shows her she shows um, her sister's picture to um, a lot of people, like in busy areas on the street and in um, like antique markets and flea markets along the canals in Holland. And um, finally, she's um, kind of um, kind of about ready to give up, but she comes across a um, uh, an artist that lives in Holland. He's from England and. Um, he he takes a liking to her. He becomes later her love interest, and um, he helps her find her sister and, and rescue her. And uh, she's very close. Um, Starla and her sister are very close, and they can communicate telepathically. So that is another thing that's very strange, because she can't even um, uh, get to her that way. And... Um, Anyhow, it's it's based on true events like art theft ring and uh, a sadistic uh, brothel madam who enjoys inflicting pain on her victims. And um, anyhow, uh, one of the things that happens is Starla disguises herself as a um, as a prostitute looking for work to get into the brothel and. Uh, the madam is very cruel and sadistic, and she's kind of like a uh, a warden at a prison. That's the best I can describe her. But um, <laughs> anyhow, um, anyhow, it has a happy ending. 
I won't give too much okay. about the film away. <laughs> Right. I understand. Well, that was an excellent description. Thank you so much, Bouvier. Um, a very vivid description. I really appreciate it. Would you uh, mind letting us know where this uh, movie was shot at? Where was the on location for this Yes, film? it was shot in, um, in Holland, in, uh, uh, some of it in Amsterdam, and some of it in Delft. And... Um, <clears throat> Delft is a real beautiful little town that's almost all canals. And um, the uh, exterior shots, most of the exterior shots were shot in Holland and uh, in the tulip fields because one of the chase seeds were the, um, were the really bad guy named Tulip. He's kind of in charge of the whole thing, the kidnapping and the, the art ring and everything. Um, there's one place where he chases her because he's uh, found out like uh, something's going on, so he's following her and uh, uh, trying to uh, trying to catch her. But she she manages uh, to get away. And um, <clears throat> anyhow, uh, two of the actors are from Holland, and uh, one of the crew. And uh, one of the scenes that was shot there, one of the interior scenes, I believe, yeah, a couple of the interior scenes. Uh, one was uh, one was at the beginning of the film, like during World War II, where uh, a man is running down the street with a loaf of bread that he's gotten on the black market because at that time there was no food. The, the Nazis had cut off all the food supply to Holland and some other countries, too. So he got this uh, during the sec- during the um, uh, he got this just on the black market, like from a farmer. And he told he burst into his house and told his wife that uh, he'd have to uh, trade a painting that they had for food. And uh, that was a scene that was uh, done like with the clothes from that period and everything and he tells his wife he had to do something because he had turned somebody in and people did that at that time they turned other like even their neighbors in in order to um get food and to get favoritism from the nazis and maybe get a, a little bit of food and um that was one of the right absolutely yeah that was one of the scenes um, done there that was an interior and then the other one was in a cafe where Starla met uh Oliver uh who helps her uh find her sister and um uh, then later becomes her love interest also and then the um the in- most of the interior scenes were shot in Los Angeles in San Pedro where the uh uh the premiere is going to be uh, it's going to be. I see. Yeah, it's going to be at the uh, beautiful Warner Grand Theater. It's one of the last Art Deco theaters from, I believe, from the twenties or the thirties. And um, nice. That's yeah. great. And then um, some friends let us use their uh, their apartments, you know, to do some of the interior scenes. And um, we got a lot of help from a lot of people that we appreciate very much. Also in Holland. Well, you know what, uh, Bouvier, I've been studying World War II on my own since I was a young boy. So um, I was raised by my grandparents, who I called mom and dad. And back in the 80s, they bought me an encyclopedia set. 
And my interest in World War II grew tremendously because I started studying it through that way. And then, of course, through films or television. And as you were describing the certain scenarios involving the Nazis, it is something I'm very familiar with. And your description was spot on there. Yeah, people would just kill each other for food. They'd have to, um, like, like that scene in the that scene where he runs into the house with the loaf of bread. He says that uh, any food they get that they have to cook, they have to do it at night so the neighbors won't smell it and kill them for it. Well, um, with everything that's going on with uh, the situation that we're all dealing with, has this impacted? I assume it has. Uh, your plans for the premiere of this film? I hope not. It's supposed to be, It's well, it's scheduled for uh, uh, June 27th. Okay. So there's a chance then. Yeah, there is a chance. We just have to wait and see um, if it has to be postponed. But, I mean, we'll have it anyhow. If if it doesn't happen then, we'll just have to set a little bit later date. And I hope that it's over by then. It'd be It'd be fantastic if it is. Yes, I mean, it not would. Just for that, but for everybody. That's right. I'll tell you what, I bet yep. you uh, won't be more happy to be at a film premiere than, than that one, just with everything that's going on. Oh, you're absolutely right, Stephen. <laughs> now, uh, this film sounds very suspenseful. I, I assume there's probably a lot of um, suspenseful moments in the film. Uh, yes, yes, it is, and um, it's uh, actually like a horror thriller, and it has some comedy in it. Uh, at the uh, at the film festival Horror on Sea Film Festival in January, uh, the audience uh, we were we didn't know what to expect. I went there with the with Randy Kent and John Lusovich, and um, we didn't know what to expect. But um, the film was. Um, it, it got like three rounds of applause, and then it got a standing ovation. And some of the people said it was the best film of the festival, and the festival was like three three weekends, and this was the last film of the entire festival. And uh, I'm still getting emails about it. One one person said it was the best film of the whole festival. And, well, congratulations. Um, during, That's wonderful feedback. Thank you. Yeah, and during the during the screening, everybody was real quiet. No one said a word. It's just like complete silence from the audience. So um, it does have a lot of suspense and horror and some comedy. And the scene that I didn't think was very funny was at the very beginning in the in the art gallery, where they're having a reception for a famous artist, and uh, people laughed at that and. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think it was funny, but you just. <laughs> well, how did that? How did you handle that? Was that not intended to be humorous? That that moment in the film? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was it was light anyhow because it was just kind of the beginning where where they're having the um, you know kind of to set up the uh, art gallery that that's what they do and that's where the painting happened to be and uh, it wouldn't matter, but uh, it was. Uh, it was a light scene anyhow, but uh, nobody, none of us thought it was funny, but it ended up everybody thought it was funny, and they were all laughing. Well, you just never know sometimes, do you, how an audience might respond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even people that saw the uh, 
that that saw the uh, film clip were laughing, and they they said it was funny. And I was surprised because I said, How, "Why did you think it was funny?" And <laughs> I guess they just did. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what—you just never know. Now, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this myself. Bouvier, and are you able to tell me how I would be able to do that when the time comes, and the listeners as well? Well, we're uh, we have a few distributors interested, and um, I don't know yet uh, what's going to happen. But I would, I would think it would be maybe on Netflix eventually, or um, I see uh, yes. some of the other, um, you know, some of the other channels. Some of the other the uh, on demand, perhaps as well. That I can uh-huh. see that happening. Well, yeah, I hope that happens soon, so I can see the film. Yeah, I I think it will. We just don't know yet, just uh, when it will, you know. But it's very. Uh, we're very optimistic about it because uh, everybody says it's a very good film and it's very different. And, and you uh, also worked on uh, uh, the production side, is that correct? Uh, producing and even co-writing? Yes, uh-huh. I co-wrote it, and um, the uh, the story evolved because, um, like I said, my husband's family lived in Holland during the war, during the Nazi occupation of Holland. So um, because of the art theft rings that happen still uh, now sometimes, like uh, priceless art being stolen. And uh, uh, because of the true events, then we wrote kind of a story around it about the kidnapping because that's that's happening a lot too, like uh, human trafficking. Well, that's very true. So you have, you have two elements. And so uh, we just wanted to write a kind of a different different story using all those different elements. Yes. Well, I think it's an interesting combination uh, with the, the story that the film is trying to tell. And uh, how long did it take to film Blood Tulips? In Holland, we were there around eight days filming. And my husband and I went there about a week ahead of time so we could uh, go and look for wardrobe and uh, select the uh, the locations that we wanted to film in. And one of them was the town square in, in Delft and the red light district in Amsterdam. We actually filmed there. And uh, You did film there. I wasn't sure if if that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really... Yeah, they get mad if they see somebody filming so them kind of undercover, and luckily there were lots of tourists, which there usually are, and um, so that worked out really good. And then in um, in Delft, um, in Delft, um, the uh, people were really really friendly. One of the um, really beautiful. Um, dress shops let us use the interior of her shop to film in and then uh, another a restaurant for breakfast because it's a hotel with uh, breakfast included and uh, we asked him if we could use it and he didn't even know us and he let us use it like for the whole day after the breakfast was served and it was oh, that's a great. quaint place it had like Dutch uh, um, like plates on the wall and Dutch pictures it was just, just a perfect and we were so glad that he let us use it. Well, that's nice. We gave him credit in the film. We gave everybody credit that uh, participated. 
well, you know what? So you didn't have a, a, a you, do you need a film permit to film in the red light district? Or is it just pretty much you have to kind of be a little bit uh, creative about it? <laughs> uh, I'd say you need to be creative. Gotcha. Well, especially, especially with um, uh, low budget films. Sure. But, sure. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever filmed there, but uh, uh, the, uh, the, the crew member that had the second camera, he was pretty close to one of the women in the windows, and uh, one came out the door and threw some liquid at him. He said it was water, but then he had a suspicion it was something else. Oh, no. Well, you know what that made me think of was, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, director, writer, producer, actor, <laughs> he did it all, Ed Wood. Oh yes, I know Ed Wood. I saw the <laughs> I saw the film that I believe Robert Downey Jr. played his part. Well, it was actually Johnny Depp. It was. Yep, Johnny Depp. And um, but your story reminded me of Ed, uh, the real Ed, because um, which is also depicted in the film. He often filmed on the streets of L.A. without a film permit. They would just uh-huh. film until the police showed up, and then they took off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we never we never had that problem. People in Holland were really people were really happy to cooperate. There's a lot of flea markets along the canals, and uh, we asked one man if he would like to be uh, in the film. You know, just asking him, showing him uh, the picture of uh, of her sister Tess and he was real happy to do it. I mean, he was a real Dutchman smoking a pipe and everything. And he had all, (laughs) all his wares like Dutch um, pottery and things in front, like uh, on his, on his tables where he, that he was selling. And uh, yeah, everybody was really friendly and uh, friendly and helpful. We never, um, I mean, we filmed like a broad daylight. No one ever said anything. We were kind of low-key. I mean, we didn't have a lot of equipment or a lot of people or anything, and uh, they maybe thought we were just tourists. That's right. Well, I really appreciate you sharing everything like this today. Uh, thank you so much, and, and I'll be sure to pass along some information about Blood Tulips on the Hollywood and Beyond social media pages. And I'm very much looking forward to asking you, when you look back, how and why did you decide to become an actress? Was there a certain moment in time that stands out to you when you think back? When I was real little, I I kind of wanted to be a lot of things. One time I wanted to be a veterinarian. One time I wanted to be a doctor. One time I wanted to be a nurse. Oh, and one wow. time I wanted to be a scientist. And <laughs> oh, wow. then I then I thought, well, gee, if I'm an actress, I can be all those things. There so you that's go. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why. That's how I decided. And then when I was just real small, pretty small, and I, we put on plays in our backyard. We put up kind of a tent, and we put on plays. And then when I went to um, when I went to school, I was in plays. And then high school, I was in plays. And then I was in little theater. And then when I came to Hollywood, I went to some acting classes, night classes, and I studied with uh, Lillian Chavin. She's a pretty well-known actress, more of a character actress, but she was very good. I studied with her for a while. And then um, 
just went on interviews for acting and things like that. And I had a I had a screen test at Universal Universal Studios, but the uh, the director's girlfriend got the part. Oh my! <laughs> I missed out on that. Yes. Well, that would, that's unfortunate so then, when things like that happen. <laughs> you can't yeah, really control that, that too much. That happens, yeah. Yeah. Well, what about this but, story of uh, you, um, you know, like I described earlier before I introduced you, uh, that you were comforted one day by Martin Sheen, of all people, um, after oh, being dismissed was, from your job. Uh, and be, I assume that you were just wanting to visit the sets to, to kind of take everything in and, and enjoy that. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, it was kind of um, learning also. Because that's one reason I tried to get the job there, and um, yeah, and anyhow, there was this in the lab working was this older woman, and she had a beautiful figure, but I mean that face, she looked like she was eighty years old, <laughs> and uh, oh, she was my. real jealous. She was real jealous of me, and she just uh, got me. She got me in trouble. She told the uh, uh, the head of the department that I was going on the sets, but I was going on during my lunch hour. I wasn't going on their time, but now she told him, and he said, oh, you can't do that, and he fired me, and I was, I, I was on, uh, happened to be on the set that uh, Martin Sheen was on, and he saw me crying, and he came out, and he said, it'll be all right, and he was real nice to me, and, you know, he said, uh, he said, not worth it, he said, you're probably better off, so that's how, that's how that happened. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, and, and, uh, thank you so much. And um, well, uh, I've looked uh, over some of the work that you've done in the past, and there's some interesting titles of films that you've been in. Uh, very interesting indeed. And I was just wondering, when you look back, uh, was there a, a favorite project or two in particular that you really enjoyed working on? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I liked uh, working on. Uh Venice Beach because we actually filmed it right on the beach on the boardwalk. Oh wow! Have you been to Los Angeles? I used to live there. Oh, you did. Oh, well, then you know about Venice Beach. I do. Well, yes. we like that because uh, we used to go there all the time, go roller skating, and just go there and walk around and eat there, and uh, we liked it a lot. So, just decided that was the first movie we actually did, and. Um, it was colorful and a lot of um, a lot of unusual and strange people, and that's kind of what what I like, you know. I like like out of the ordinary kind of things. I guess I'm sure kind sure. of um, kind of have a <laughs> a mind for filmmaking, maybe like Quentin Torotino. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but. Um, <clears throat> Sounds yeah, good. I like that because um, we had to pay off derelicts. They all wanted to get on in the camera. Like we'd be filming, and one would stick his face around, so we had to pay them off to buy a bottle <laughs> of Tea Bird or something, you know, to get them to uh, to find something else to do. And uh, it was just enjoyable. It was about uh, I was a runaway, and I became friendly with a bag lady who kind of took me under her wing and showed me how to find food in trash cans and uh, how to live there and everything. Now, is that a part of the movie, or are you talking about you yourself? No, that's part of the movie. 
but okay, I, I just but wanted I to make sure. Like, I acted <laughs> like I was eating out of trash cans because I had been all my luggage and everything had been uh, tossed from a car. Some man that picked me up hitchhiking, and um, anyhow, I ended up on Venice Beach, and then I meet this uh, this guy that's real rich family, and his father doesn't like it that he's living on the beach because he's a musician. It has a lot of music in it, and it's really a, a fun film. <clears throat> I'll have to try to find a way to see that. Sounds yeah. interesting. <clears throat> and then we did, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, another one was um, uh, Surgical that takes place at a hospital. It's about, kind of about uh, uh, messed up operations and people getting killed in hospitals. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> Yes, yeah, kind of a horror. It's a horror <laughs> comedy. Well, that happens a lot. I have a friend whose uh, his boyfriend got killed in a hospital. They did the wrong kind of oh, operation. Wow. Yeah, there's no guarantees, is there? When Shocking, they're... isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, these kind of uh, stories and and approach to filmmaking, you know, they can it can be so much fun. You know, trying oh, to do something is. that's different and obscure, yeah. maybe. Is obscure yeah, a word you would use to describe your films, or or how would you describe your, you know, your films in general? Well, I think they're uh, they're interesting films because they have interesting subject matter, like the one we did before uh, Blood Tulips was called Club Lingerie. It's a it's a story about a a girl that inherits um, like a kind of a down, uh, kind of a, a, in an area that's gone down. It used to be a good area, but it's gone down. And um, she inherits it from her uncle. It's a, a nightclub in a bar. And uh, anyhow, to get customers, uh, they, hire lingerie, uh, they hire girls to model lingerie. So that's, I won't tell you too much about it, but that's what that's about. <laughs> so things happen too. The girls start getting killed, and there's a mysterious killer uh, that's in there. So it's. Uh, well, uh, Bouvier, let me ask you. I, I thought of a really good question for you because you would know. When you compare filmmaking to today, to going all the way back to the films that you just described so well. What's some of the biggest changes in the way films are made that, that you've noticed? Well, that's a hard question to answer because the films we've done were not made that long ago, but I think the, I think the difference is that um, uh, high-budget films have a lot of production value, but like... Um, doing the film Blood Tulips in Holland, that has a lot of production value because of the scenery and the quaintness, the architecture and the canals and the way people live. And uh, it has a tremendous amount of production value, and I think that's what makes the film really good. And, of course, the acting and the characters. Uh, we always try to get characters that are interesting and that have... Uh, something going on that's, you know, like a problem they have to solve or something they're looking for. Well, that's nice. Yeah, like um, the the equipment is uh, maybe 
different because, like, Surgical was done on uh, 35 millimeter. Now a lot of films are done, which Blood Tulip too, like digital. So that might yes. be the biggest difference. Well, thank you for that description. You are the perfect and, lady to uh, ask. And also, <laughs> uh, yeah, also um, Venice Beach was done digital. Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm going to track that film down, Bouvier. And, and after I see it, you should come back and talk about the film in more detail with me if you're interested. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. But you know what else I thought of, Bouvier, was that even though technology has changed with filmmaking and things like you described, you know, in a way, it's kind of the same, isn't it? You still get in front of the camera and you still have to, you know, create and bring these characters to life. That much is still pretty much the same. That's right. And I'm, I'm mainly an actress, but I got into the... Uh, writing and kind of some of the production, um, you know, not the camera or the sound or anything, but some of it just so I could kind of do the films that I like to do and stories that are interesting and that I think people would like. Well, I sure do appreciate uh, speaking with you today, and I did want to ask you, I came across um, something that said that there was a cult movie magazine, I believe that might even be the title of the magazine, uh, readers voted you, uh, I believe, a cult film goddess, is that true? Yes, that's true. Uh, Yeah, it's called Cult Movie Magazine. I don't think it's uh, published anymore. But uh, I was voted by the readers as the cult film goddess. <laughs> well, congratulations. Not, a, not everybody oh, can, can win that title. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Well, uh, before we conclude, uh, I would like to ask if you have any future projects that you're planning on working on soon, or are you just not sure right now about all that? I have a couple of future plans. Um, one is a horror comedy, um, mostly comedy, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's 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 it'll be real different. Also, it's okay. a different kind of film. I don't think anything like it's ever been done before. That's what that's what we try to do: films that haven't been done, or that we More don't know that. have been done. <laughs> you got to be an uh, original. Yeah, and maybe a uh, a comedy a comedy show for um maybe podcasts or uh, uh, online, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that sounds very interesting. I am also an actor and writer Bouvier, so and here Are I am you? doing a podcast. So well, I'm trying to writing. be original myself. <laughs> you're writing for your uh for your show. Do you write other things too? Well, I used to write film reviews. I'm working on some uh, uh, possible book projects, and uh, I've got all kinds of screenplay ideas, uh, but but I've uh, also done written interviews. I actually started doing Bouvier interviews, the written version, for an online magazine, and then I came up with the idea for an audio version, a podcast show, and that's kind of how Hollywood and Beyond kind of got going, so to speak. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. I hope you have a lot of success, Stephen. Well, that's very kind of you. Well, if I keep having such interesting guests like you, I'll be in good shape. 
Well, thank you very much. I hope I've been, I hope I've been interesting. You've been very interesting. I've had a lovely I've enjoyed, time. I've enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you. And, and how can folks learn more about you out there? I believe you have a website. Yes, I have a website, and it is um, www.bouvier1.com. And then the film has a website, and that's www.bloodtulips.com. And I'm also Great. on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I have a friend, I think he's going to help me get on Twitter, or I might be on it, I'm not sure. So many things, so many things to be on. I'll tell you, it's a, there sure is. Well, if you need some help with Twitter, let me know. Just give me oh, a call. Oh, thank you. I'll be, yeah, ha- be glad to help you through it. About, yeah, I might be calling you back about that. Well, I'll, I'll make sure you have my number when we're done here, and, and you can call me if you need some help. Yeah. Yeah, I have your number. I've had such a, lo- a nice time speaking with you, and uh, please come back and visit me again soon. Well, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, I had a very nice time speaking with you, too. Thank you. You're a very, very good host. Well, you just made my day. I appreciate it. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in.